Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Playwright Repertory Podcast. It is me, Sarah Sparks. I'm back. They rescued me from the Death Star. Was That's where I was? That's, I think that's what we said, yeah. Right? Okay, I kind of forgot. Last episode. But I am back, and we love Benjamin Suskin so much, and we thank him for being on our episode last week. Now, this is a very special episode, and it is the start to a four-part series where we're going to be talking about devising and collaborating And one of those reasons is because we are collaborating with the Orange County School of the Arts. The Musical Theater Conservatory has a super cool class called Drama Comp, which our boy Mitchell Huntley was in. Mitchell, take it away. Yeah, stands for Dramatic Composition. And I'll actually pass it off to the teacher of that class, Ryan Miller, who will be explaining what the class is before we'll go in depth about what they do when it comes to devising. Hey, you guys. Hi, hi. Thanks for having me. Uh, Yeah, you guys are going to get to hear from from the students in a bit, but I'll just kind of talk about the class. It's based on the idea that we want to equip young artists to be able to tell their stories and new stories, not just stories that have already been articulated and been approved by older people. Not that there isn't value there, but we want to, again, make our students at OSHA, artists who can be active right now and not who who don't have to wait for permission. And so this idea was kind of born out of a a long lunch meeting between conservatory director Scott Barnhart and myself, where we kind of conceived of a space where students could create their own original work. And that's what we've been doing for the past three years. And essentially, the kids get into a room and we start learning in vocabulary of theater making. I'm a student of the viewpoints. And so we, we lean into those a little bit, which is essentially just a vocabulary for making work uh, on stage. And then we, we make work. There is no uh, preconceived notion or idea of what we're doing. We're responding to things in the moment. And it is weird. And the students don't know what to do because they are really, really used to kind of re-articulating someone else's work. And they don't get to do that in this class. They have to generate the work. And after a couple of weeks of feeling like they're spinning around in circles, I think they start to understand that they can take agency and ownership over telling a story. And that kind of sets us on a trajectory to write an original play. And by the end of the of the year, they have written an entirely original work and we usually perform it in class and we invite parents and faculty to come and see it, but welcome to COVID-19. So <laughs> we wanted to still make it available to people. So um, hence this collaboration. There are two classes of dramatic composition. We'll be hearing the first one, their play next week. So yeah. Be on the lookout for that next week. And like Mr. Miller was saying, with all the collaboration and just what do we do? How do we write a play? We all felt like that just works really well and it's really compatible with our format and our podcast. And like we say, the only thing that makes you a playwright is that you write a play and there's no science, no nothing to it. That's literally it. So... Their process that they kind of did is maybe different from something you've thought about or from something that we've talked about so far because they had multiple playwrights working on the same piece, which is really a beast in itself. And they specifically are all kind of coming from an actor perspective of how do we 
then go on to start writing this, just bringing ourselves, bringing our characters. And that kind of work kind of goes under a big umbrella term called devising, which is what this episode is really about. Devising is, like I said, it's like that kind of theater where pretty much actors just come in, they start doing stuff and figuring it out. And then maybe something works and it gets put on paper and then it gets put on and it turns into a play. A popular example of a devised piece of theater, the Frantic Assembly Theater Group is a very popular theater group that does a lot of devised work. If you've ever heard of or seen Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime, that is a fully devised piece as just an example other examples, I know one Chicago-based is Looking Glass Theater. They do a lot of devised work. I'm such a fan girl. Best I'm like, are. I'm going to cry just like hearing the name of Looking Glass. I saw some of their shows last year. I saw one of their shows. I don't know. I said some. saw one of their shows last year, and I am a changed woman. So devised work is just really cool. It's kind of weird, but it's also really cool. It's collaboration yeah. with steroids. Because <laughs> in, in addition yeah, to I have collaboration, to. it's... Yeah, I have to agree. There's really nothing else like it. I'll plug another company, the the City Company, uh, yeah. that works out of New York. I have special ties to them. They have big UCLA ties. Jay Ariza was my acting professor in my in my MFA training. I also got to work with Ellen Lauren, and obviously the the infamous Anne Bogart is a part of that company. And I got to see their performance of Steel Hammer and Ride of Spring, and I've just never seen anything anything like it. So we wanted a little bit of that flavor, a small idea of a small piece of that to be available to young people. And that idea of devised theater being something that anybody can do and that you get actors and playwrights and directors and scenic designers all in a room with no preconceived notions other than maybe inspiration and you just go for it is something that everyone can do. You don't need producers or uh, a bunch of funds uh, to make device theater happen. It's certainly nice to have all of those things, but we wanted to equip our students with ways to make work. So, so that's how we kind of delve into the idea of quote unquote devised theater. But like, like you said, Sarah, it's a really broad kind of umbrella term in the theatrical world. And now we want to know kind of how you guys had your devising process. They wrote a really awesome play that will be read next week called Up in the Air, and they've been working on it all year. So tell us, Mr. Miller, and we have the students here as well, kind of how that worked for you guys and what your process was. Definitely. Yeah. I'm curious hearing from from them. (laughs) You know, I can talk about how tremendous I think the class is but I think it might be more valuable to hear from the actual students uh, themselves about what they what they went through Mackenzie I'm, I'm curious to hear from you you know if someone asked you what was the process of making this play like what, what would you say um well I guess I would say I mean kind of starting from the drawing board I feel like it's it's been super collaborative from the very beginning. Um, I feel like also as we kind of we did like the the research projects first to kind of you know I guess you could say get ideas on what we could really make our play about. But once we started, um, you know, once we picked our idea, we really started developing kind of a plot and a story arc and um, just really trying to get it all 
you know, together and figured out. And then once we broke off into groups, I feel like Mr. Miller kind of took a step back and allowed us as students to really just kind of explore different possibilities of where our story could go as a whole. Fabulous. Uh, I, I think those research projects are something maybe worth mentioning. Let me see. Uh, Sarah, uh, do you want to talk about those those research assignments that I gave you? I don't think I told anybody this might be the basis for your play. I try not to do that. <laughs> I try just to make them, you know, not look too far ahead. But what was that assignment like for you? So what we had to do is we were doing an exercise in class and we had to figure out a, um, a prompt out of a picture that we made during an exercise. So we had to make characters from these two people standing here in the corner. What was their relationship like? And then there would be like these three girls sitting down on the floor. What is their story like? And we would have to create a story and present it to the class about what what we think the story would be like. A terribly unspecific prompt, right? They'll, they'll make a stage picture, we'll freeze them, and I'll say, what does that look like to you? We're all trying to kind of navigate narrative and what naturally connects people on stage. And then from that stage picture, they have to generate material. And um, it's not always easy to do. But um, that's kind of the genesis for each piece. Mitchell, I don't know if you can remember that far back. I, I think I missed the day college grad now. Mitchell only misses oh, like would. one day of school a year. So was that your one? <laughs> it was. I, yeah. It was for it was for a, a school event. It was for the tree lighting. I was gone the one day. And that was the day we said it, which is the funniest thing. But it thing. has been uh, 65 years <laughs> yeah, so it's, in high school. So. Yeah, I know. You're an old man now. So. Yeah. yeah so one of the things you talk about i mentioned the viewpoints and some people in our audience might not know what that is what different terms are of the viewpoints and how looking from an actor's perspective how that can influence the stage picture you create oh what a great question who of my students can name some of the viewpoints make me incredibly proud right now I'll be so happy. Uh, I bet Jody Kiyokawa can name one of the viewpoints for me. Jody? One of the viewpoints that we learned was spatial relationship. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. <laughs> so that's, well, it's not as useful when you're making a podcast, but when we were in <laughs> class, um, you know, it's the distance between bodies and how that represents their relationship and the emotions of the person. It can really, it, you can really tell a lot just from how far apart or close the characters are. Wonderful. Caroline, make it happen. Kinesthetic responses, which was just like how you react off of each other and like how it affects the relationship and the tone of the whole scene and what's going on in the show. And it played a really big part in like the picture that we took and how we developed the story. Well done. Well done, well done. So essentially what's happening is you're you're breaking down space and time, right? And the the viewpoints, right, is a is a concept that I certainly did not make up. This is a an Anne Bogart and Tina Landau genius way of breaking down time and space. And it's how I know how to make theater. So I impart as much as I can to the students, however, 
However, imperfectly, there are certainly people who know much more about it than I do. But the way that it breaks down is essentially talking about time and space. And once you can talk about something and name something, then you can kind of work with it instead of kind of this nebulous way of talking about acting like that was good or that was emotional or good job. You can you can give more specific critiques and shift more specific things about your performance. So they're not revolutionary concepts, but they're used in really useful ways. Things like tempo, duration, repetition, shape, gesture, and even architecture. Yeah, along with spatial relationship, floor pattern, uh, kinesthetic response. All those concepts, uh, we take time in class to you know kind of investigate them and then try and utilize them as we are making our original piece of work. Fun fact, I actually was taking a class fall quarter this year. Uh, it was a directing class. And one of the things we started to learn about were the viewpoints, because we hadn't learned it by that name when I took this class. When I started hearing them, I was like, wait a minute. And it just <laughs> it dawned on me. And I was like, oh, yeah, that really, that really is helpful and really useful. Yeah. Yeah. I certainly don't claim to be someone who can teach a class on the viewpoints. So I don't say like, now you know viewpoints when you take drama comp, but I try and talk about those vocabularies in a way so that when you go out into the great wide world, you're able to, you're able to utilize them. So I'm glad they've already come back around. Yeah. And, and one of the things I talked about, or one of these we talked about in the class that I was in was how a lot of times you've done the viewpoints of you've taken acting classes, you just haven't learned the vocabulary of it like the walking around the space and all that stuff and like seeing how far you are from each other, all that stuff that you hear in like acting exercises, that's the viewpoints that's born from the viewpoints. And you just haven't, you just don't know the vocabulary and now you do. And it really helps when trying to create theater. It's wonderfully said. I mean, we're all dealing with tempo and duration right now. How long is this podcast? How quickly am I speaking? Uh, we deal with it every day. Yeah. Yeah. Time is a flat circle. Right. But the idea that we, we can name those things and then we can manipulate them, you know, to, to our benefit as performers is something nobody told me until I went to graduate school. Right. And so I think bringing that in, in whatever small portion to um, young artists can, can only benefit them. And, and so that's kind of, why drama comp exists. Yeah. And then just empowering them to make their own work, which is super important, especially when you are social distancing, <laughs> staying at home. I am really curious to hear from my students now that I have them on blast, what it was like to first be introduced to those vocabularies. Was it easy when I told you just walk around and try and notice the spaces in between each other? Did you think I was mentally unwell? Uh, did you think this class is going to be so boring? Like, what was your first impulse? I'm actually really interested in hearing what Kira has to say. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so I think my first, because in the beginning of the year, we had like a set thing that we did over and over again, which was the, um, like the zip, zap, zop kind of thing with the numbers and the, and, um, and then doing the one up and stuff. And it was like, point, we did it every point to go class. To. Right. Point to go to. And point to go to. So Shout I out think, Jay Adoreza. So I think that like, um, at the beginning of the year, I was kind of like confused as to what that would do <laughs> for us. But then yes. once we started talking about like the vocab words and, and like what, what they were and like what we were actually like experiencing and like, um, like 
what we were using without even knowing what we were doing, it started to make more sense. And then I started to understand. So then I started to have like more of an appreciation for it. But yeah, definitely at the beginning, I was really confused as to what the purpose of it was. Uh, Which is exactly where I want all my students to be. Yeah. They are asked every single day to intellectualize, to plan, to consider. And I'm interested in shifting them out of needing to know how everything's going to turn out before they make a choice which is kind of a byproduct of drama comp. You can't plan for something that isn't made yet, which is why devising is so difficult, but also can be so rewarding. So um, thanks for your honesty, Kira. Caroline? Um, at first, it felt like a little bit uncomfortable, but I was, <laughs> I was really excited because it was like a new class and I'd heard such great things about it. And as we started to go on and we learned more of the vocabulary, I I realized just how much like I use that vocabulary in like even my everyday life. And it be I was definitely more aware, even just like walking around the halls, I was more aware of like what I was doing and how that could fit in with the viewpoints. And I thought that it was really rewarding to learn those things and be able to apply I them love to how, our life. Caroline, you said that at first it was uncomfortable. Because I think that's just like anything in theater, especially writing and just like putting your thought baby on paper in some sort of way or just like out into the universe is so weird. And that is so uncomfortable. And I really encourage everybody who wants to write or do some sort of theater making to embrace the uncomfortability. Uncomfortability? Yeah, that's it. Because that's how you make cool things. Nailed it. Great. Yes, Zach. So at first I was, um, like, like Caroline said, I was really confused and just uncomfortable. I'm just like, what is us pointing to somebody and saying a number and then walking over there have to do with theater? But, um, like I, I guess I was just completely confused. And then, uh, like, she, like Caroline said, once we learned about tempo, duration, and gesture, we realized, wait a second, that's what that's what theater is. Is it's it's the minimal things such as point to go to, um, and another again that we did all the time, uh, one up, which was where one person was uh, randomly just only one person got up from the class and just stood in front of the class, looked directly at them, didn't make a movement, and just breathed. And had like a straight face, and it was the hardest thing to do, but um, it was probably the best thing that we did uh, because it just get, it got us connected and really helped us understand the importance of all of the viewpoints and why this class at first will feel so weird, and then once you get like halfway through, you're just like, oh my god, this is this is amazing. I definitely remember that one up, and it was terrifying. <laughs> There's something about like asking yourself to be really present as you're on stage as opposed to like being on stage, but trying to think about your line or being on stage and thinking about your blocking to like actually be present on stage. That's really horrifying uh, for everybody, but especially for young artists. And uh, we kind of (laughs) kind of have to tackle that head on as we start making our own work. And so the one-up exercise, again, shout out Jay at Ariza and City Theater Company and UCLA uh, for bringing that to me and making me panic in that way. And now I get to bring that to to you guys. 
Um, I, I'm I'm curious. Uh, in drama comp, we have it's mostly like a, a a sophomore experience, but I get to have all upperclassmen kind of join when when their schedules allow. One of the upperclassmen I have is is Zoe Sear, and I'm curious, like Zoe, from your perspective of being an older student coming in, what was what was this type of work like for you, especially that devised. I have no end inside. I, I don't know what the goal is. So how can I work type of mindset? Uh, how, how did that sit with you this year? Yeah, it was, it was kind of um, unexpected. I know I, I saw all my friends take drama comp when they were sophomores, um, but I was in uh, unplugged. So I didn't get to take uh, that class that year, because since it was a year-long class, and so I asked Mr. Barnhart if I could take it junior year, and of course he let me. And it, it was it was such a process. Like I I remember coming in and I was so confused, and I did not know because I I had Mr. Miller for acting as well, so it was like a whole different like thing we were doing, and it was is confusing at first. But um, I know that. I've definitely used all of the vocabulary that we've learned in his acting class and with like monologues and stuff like that. Like I've noticed that, oh, I talk really fast. I need to slow down my tempo here. And I just feel like being able to name those things and um, put it into my work, like going on in my life and even just as a junior has been very, very helpful for me. And yeah. Yeah definitely paid off in the end for sure how kind of you to say yeah and Aaliyah and Aaliyah yeah and I just felt that like from what everyone's saying the viewpoints has definitely helped me as a performer as well and just getting this experience from writing a play at such a young age I think could really benefit us rather than us like learning about that. Like, let's say in like a college class, I felt like it would have been a lot harder for me if I was older and learning about like, Oh my gosh, writing a play. Like I felt like I would have been harder to like accept it better. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, but just the experience what felt very, very nice at this young age. Yeah, there's there's really something about being given agency when you're a teenager that like rarely happens, <laughs> uh, and and usually for good reason because you don't know anything yet. That's that's a gross thing to say, but I mean, of the world, you have little to no experience. But in in this controlled space, we can kind of let students go and see where they go, and I can corral them when necessary. But once they kind of get a direction it doesn't take a lot for them to generate work which is interesting and i think surprising maybe for adults maybe to hear but in general they they're creating a lot more stuff than i would by myself telling them what kind of play they should do for anyone listening this class like as a person who did not have this class it sounds pretty cool you guys do a lot of cool stuff and um (laughs) You know, but you don't need this class setting to create something. If you hear a lot of what they've said, Mm -hmm. they just kind of watch things, saw things, intake knowledge. I think it's just a big thing. Anybody who wants to create stories has to do is just what knowledge can I consume about anything and everything? 
and you know do it safely do a zoom with your friends I don't know play some theater game if that works just talk to each other (laughs) this is something that can be done no matter what I think and it's really easy and it sounds like you guys had a lot of fun doing it so this is just one other way if you want to create theater that is just really accessible for anybody and I think for young people especially this format works really well because it's so social and it's collaborative and it gets the brain going so I really highly encourage anybody listening if this sounds fun to you do it you don't need anybody to tell you to do it just do it well said thank you so much ryan and the rest of the class it is a uh, it's great talk to you about this can't wait to hear your play next week sounds like from what the process was like it's going to be a really good piece i'm really excited for the audience to hear it so thank you so much we're excited too thank you thanks for having us everybody want to unmute and say bye thank you everybody bye thank you so much Thank you for listening to another episode of the Playwright Repertory Podcast. I really loved this discussion. I thought it was really educational for me personally. I don't come from any type of playwriting training and I've never heard of viewpoints before. So, but like I knew what they were. And I think anybody who ever like taken an acting class kind of like understands what they're talking about, but have never had the vocabulary to go along with it. So I found that really helpful myself. Um, If you want to have your play on this podcast, we'd love to have you. To submit, you can submit to tinyurl slash PRP submit. If you would like to be on our podcast, we would love to have you. We would love to hear your play read aloud. And if you have, I guess, any other kind of idea of some sort of collaborative work like we did with this class, we'd also love to hear about that. So you can talk to us um, on our Instagram, but also you can submit to tinyurl.com slash prpsubmit that's like a Mitchell job to figure out numbers and stuff that don't make sense okay Uh, those (laughs) letters anyway uh, okay Um, but yeah we'd love to hear from you we'd love to read your play Mitchell also as I mentioned last week we are on we're everywhere so many platforms now you can we're everywhere we're we're everywhere we have too much time on our hands (laughs) now yeah everywhere but SoundCloud now we pulled a reverse uh, you can find us like Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. Oh, We're on yeah. Stitcher. Mm-hmm. You can ask your Alexa or your Google Home to play and a player repertory it. podcast. Yeah. And you, they'll play it. They'll do it. That's so weird. <laughs> but yeah, we're on there. You can go listen. Uh, we have five previous episodes. They're all great with fantastic playwrights as well as our little hijinks every so often. But yeah, so go listen to those on Whatever platform you Mitchell, use. Mitchell, you got anything going on? Uh, writing a few things here and there. Anything mm-hmm. going on with you, Sarah? Well, now that you mention it. <laughs> um, some very exciting things. Uh, I recently had a play published and in print and is able to buy from wow. Concord Theatricals slash Samuel French. Um, if you go visit their website and type in Thespian Playworks 2019, you can go and buy one of my plays, wow. which is really cool. Wow. wow. So fancy. And Mr. Miller, do you have any final thoughts? If you're going to make theater, 
I would advise that you devise. Oh, that was good. That was good. That was good. That was. I know it was. Wow. MFA. All right. That's the education. MFA. (laughs) Thanks for listening. See you next week.